0: Let's move on to... uh, It's it's part of our topic today. Earlier on, we were talking about Golombodi uh, being charged under the Cricket South Africa's anti-corruption code. That's one of these ongoing things that's been happening in athletics as well, but it's got to do with doping. Uh, There's some corruption involved there as well, and conspiracy theories as well. Now, Britain's Athletics Federation has called for all world records to be reset because of the drugs and corruption scandals. The UK Athletics also said in a manifesto for Clean Athletics that serious drugs cheats should face a lifetime ban. Let's chat about that. Manfred Seidler joins us on the line. Manfred, good chatting to you. Thanks for joining us. We've been taking SMSs and and uh, tweets all weekend or all day today. Uh, varying degrees. Some people say, well, you get punished and you're supposed to get rehabilitated. And once you've done your time, come back. Other people say ban them forever. What? It's a difficult thing to, to decide on, isn't it? Well, no, not
1: really, because, I mean, in essence, let's take Justin Gatlin, for example, because well, he's the big name, isn't he, that keeps on cropping up with regards to doping. And there's a there's a huge anti-Justin Gatlin campaign, if you will, even to the point that the BBC uh, commentators were seen cheering after he got beaten by Usain Bolt, the <laughs> world champs, in 100 meters. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Steve Cram and, amongst them, Michael Johnson and the entire BBC crew got uh, they got slammed for that by, amongst others, Ronaldo Nehemiah, the, the agent of the... Uh, Of Justin Gatlin. Gatlin tested positive and served his time. Um, I commit the crime, I go to jail, I serve my time, I come back. So society will not necessarily accept me or like me, whatever, but I've served my crime. Mm. I've done my my time. I don't like Gatlin. That's my personal opinion. Um, I don't like what he represents and I don't like the way he struts. Um, Again, my personal opinion. Point is, though, he's done his time. Um, So we can't execute him. That's the reality. The, the other question with regards to the lifetime ban ha- ban how feasible is that? Um, now you're comparing a, a doping cheat to somebody's committed murder who should be jailed for life, for example. I mean, where do you draw the line? So it's it's a very very tricky conversation to have, and you know the lifetime ban has been tried and. It, it, It'll be overturned by the court of arbitration for sports so quickly, you know, you don't, even, don't right. even bother trying it's tr- just not a legal standard.
0: Let's throw some analogies out there, right? And the the, the argument with a two year ban is that if I've been training with dope, I've reached a strength. Mm. If I stop doping today, will I still will I go back to being the athlete I was before doping in two years?
1: Well, there, there are two schools of thought. One is that um, if you dope, the, uh, the the, the kind of drug or the, the effects of the drug stay in your system for a lot longer than we anticipated or than we thought. Yeah. That's the latest school of thought, and then a sports scientist would have to be able to, to answer you that one. And mm-hmm. for every sports scientist you speak to, you're going to get a different answer. <laughs> that's unfortunately where we are at right now. There's no definitive proof. Um, you know that's why people are saying Gatlin is still reaping the benefits. He's turning around and saying, "Well, I'm training better. I'm, I'm mm. you know, I'm, I'm a lot stronger. I'm a lot faster." Um, a lot more powerful. His start is a lot better. His first 60 meters is a lot better. Um, you know, and you can't argue that because that's technique. So, you know, again, it's it's not an open and shut case. Will I reap the benefits? the The reality was with, with the two-year doping ban is that if you test positive and you go on a one-year, two-year, four-year doping ban. Mm-hmm. You do during that uh, that ban have to turn around and and say whether or not you're coming back to the sport, and if you are, you are Ill- you are liable for testing during that that period. So you it's not as if you just go where you go into hiding, carry on doing the dirty.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: And and when you come back, you
0: you know you stop, you've got all yeah. the
1: stuff out of your system. Uh, no, they do check up on you, so it's, it's not really that simple, mate. No.
0: All right, now let's take this idea of getting rid of all the records. And Lance Armstrong's been stripped out of the Tour de France, but whoever came second in the Tour de France has not been declared the winner. Does it make sense? To get rid of all the records, and we start in 2016 Olympic Games?
1: No, it doesn't, because I mean, if you look at the amount of world records we have, what um, must be around about fifty or so, if not more, eleven of them are suspect. Um, I just went through the list now just before we started chatting. Mm. Um, Flo Jo's 100 and 200 metres uh, r- world records are, are, are suspect. They're still from 1988. Marita Cox's 400 metre world record is uh, suspect. That's from 1993, I think. Is the, I'm going 800 metres. Uh, Wang Jungtje, 3,000 and 10,000. 10, Those are all still suspect. As are a couple of the throws on the women's front. And the men's, it's the metre hurdles... Um, a couple of the throws and so on. But there's no definitive proof that um, any of these athletes, with the exception of Randy Barnes and the men's shot put, um, was, I mean, he tested positive after uh, a year or two after he set the world record. Mm-hmm. So there's no definitive proof of turning around and saying, you know what, you, uh, we must just wipe the slate clean. Um, I suspect that's maybe just I'm being a little bit facetious here, but maybe the UK aesthetic was just turning around and trying to get a little bit pre- a little bit of pressure off mm. their, their Lord Sebastian <laughs> Coe right now,
0: who's well, under immense pressure. <laughs> um, you you'll know better than I do who's their the their the great marathon runner? Paula Ratcliffe. Paula Ratcliffe's very against it because she has got records
1: there. Well, yeah, and Paula Radcliffe's performances have been called into question a lot in the last year and a year and a mm-hmm. half, um, especially with regards to the the, the 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 blood readings that have been that she's now made public, um, and she's very much on the back foot. So it's yeah, look, I mean, if you look at her results, she's the only athlete who's ever gone under two hours and eighteen minutes for the marathon for women. I mean, she's got the three fastest times, 215 and then two, two times and 217. The next one is 218 and some change. Um, so she's she's faster by a long shot. Now, you could argue that she's a freak um, of nature and that's why she was able to perform so well, like many people say of Michael Johnson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but there have been question marks around her uh, performances, specifically around the, the blood uh, results or blood uh, testing that was done on her in the last, well, during her time of, of competition. So nothing definitive, again, has come up. Um, and it's a tricky one. You know, I, I understand why people would turn around and say, let's just get rid of all the world records, because we're now so cynical. It all happened, or most of it happened, <laughs> yeah. the drug era, and, um, you know, it's just impossible that somebody who's keen can go faster or throw further than somebody who's dirty it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, you know, okay, so you wipe the, the, the records all clean, and you start from scratch, Um, you're now wiping records away of people who are clean, uh, where the records are legitimately. So is that right? No, it's not. Um, And how do you know that the records from January 16, 2016, um, are all clean? You don't.
0: Mm. You still Mm.
1: have this this problem with testing. Um, And we will always play catch-up in the doping. We always will.
0: Uh, okay, I know we're going to talk to Dr. Russ Tucker next Which is always fascinating Maybe we should get Dr. Russ Tucker on the line with you as well, Manfred uh, We can have a, a bit of a three-way conversation I just want to update on the cricket uh, In uh, England need two more runs to beat South Africa But England have lost another wicket uh, So Roots on three, Taylor's on two I can tell you that the last man out was Alistair Cook He scored 43, he was caught behind off the bowling of Morris So Taylor's there on uh, so two Roots there on three One more run needed uh, have a look. See, Root steps down, scores a four down onto the long on. And England's victorious against South Africa by seven wickets. Congratulations to them. Put uh, Manfred just quietly in the background there. England is 73 for, well, 77 for three. England beats South Africa by seven wickets. South Africa lose their number one status in the test rankings. Uh, so we'll get Natalie Gemanis to wrap that up for us later on in the program. We're chatting, over, and, and the T20 forms part of this as well. Manfred, let's just talk a little bit. Bit more about the IWF as well, and we'll bring uh, Dr. Ross Tucker as this comes in. It just, it's just—it's like FIFA. Um, it's going to be investigated, and I, I think when the FBI and the the Attorneys General in America get hold of this, things are going to explode. This this just keeps getting worse and worse every single day. Uh, Lamine Diak ran a clique that covered up organised doping and blackmailed athletes while senior officials looked the other way. This is all getting quite ridiculous, really. It is,
1: and, and, and are you surprised that the athletes turn around and say? The federation has failed. Uh, has failed the, uh, the you know athletes. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Joe Pavy, European record holder and European champion, is, is turning around and saying, "You failed us. Mm. You sent Is saying you failed us. Um, and can you blame them? And the answer is no. I mean, uh, Sebastian Coe was vice president for what seven or eight years, and no, I didn't know anything about that. I mean, for goodness sakes." Really? I mean, as Jon Snow said to him, either you're part of the problem, in other words, you're corrupt, yeah. or you're actually stupid, <laughs> quote-unquote. I mean, he, he didn't pull any punches. It, it, and unfortunately, Sebastian Coe had no answer. He mm. started in stamina's way out of it, And how would you answer something like that? It's mm. quite a strong, strong comment to make. The sad thing, though, is that what came out of uh, Thursday's press conference with uh, Dick Pound and uh, uh, the World Anti-Doping Association independent commission... Um, that Pound says that although there was, uh, there's such evidence that nobody who works for the IWF could not have not known about the the, the doping issues going on and the, and the corruption and so on, he still maintains that uh, Sebastian Coe is the best person to lead the federations. Now, the problem with that is, is that as far as, as, as the sport and athletes and a lot of us out in the media are concerned, Coe has no credibility. Um But then if you replace him, you replace him with Sergei Bubka, who has even less credibility. Mm. And there are stories and rumors going around that, um, you know, he would be part of a Russian mafia. Russia has just been banned. Mm. So (laughs) you're in a bit of a pickle. So I I suspect what uh, Dick Pound was saying, and I know Russ was was very, very outspoken and very vocal about this, um, that close shouldn't be be there. Um, It's almost like a lesser of two evils. Um, because otherwise, you basically have to reform the the IWF in its entirety. Mm. Uh, it was put forward that maybe the IOC should manage the the IWF until it's been reformed and whatnot. I'm going. Well, the IOC's got major problems itself. You know, the the president of the IOC has turned around basically very blatantly been very soft on Russia, and, and it appears as if he's trying to find a way for them to come back before you know for the Olympics. So, you know, it's everything as you said, FIFA, IWF. But now we're talking ISC, get cricket, that doesn't stop,
0: does mm. it? Dr. Ross Tucker joins us on the line as well. Uh, Ross, Manfred was talking and we were talking earlier on about doping and maybe you can answer this better than I, uh, than he could and I can understand it. If somebody is doped, right, so for example, and they get, they get a two-year ban as is currently the standard, will they come back the same as an athlete who hasn't doped or will they always be that little bit stronger? Uh, it's
2: kind of an unanswerable question. There's some evidence came out in the last couple of years, there's a group of researchers in Scandinavia, I think Sweden, and they've done studies on mice, so it's yet to be shown in humans, and we often start with mice and then work our way up or or down if the case may be, but the the evidence there is that there's something that these researchers call the cellular memory mechanism, which is really just a fancy biological term for saying that once you use the steroids, it seems to change your genes and your DNA permanently sure. and it remembers that they were there. So when that study came out, uh, I think it was 2014 and last year, it was the stimulus for a lot of people to say, well, that, there you go, you should have lifespans because once an athlete is dosed and got the benefit once, that benefit continues to be there for the, for the rest of their careers. In theory. Right. So that was, that was one argument. I don't think legally it's tenable. You can't... Actually, right, okay. life bans in, in sports. So that's another debate altogether. But it seems that the benefit of some drugs is persistent long beyond their use. Yes.
0: What do you think, though, Doc? If if somebody is caught banned, uh, if somebody is caught, uh, you're you're very involved in sports. Somebody not just corruption and bribery and all those things, but doping as well. What sort of punishment is befitting the crime? Does that vary? Is it should be stronger to stop people doing
2: it? I wish that we could give people life bans. That that to me would be the punishment they deserve. The, the problem is I'm um, being practical. I, I, in a the theoretical world, I would say absolutely, let's ban these athletes for life. But in the real world, if you do that, the burden of proof and the, and the evidence that's required needs to be that much higher. It's, it's the equivalent of, and I'm not making a direct comparison here, but it's the equivalent of in a death penalty case in the United States you need to be a whole lot more certain that, mm. that that person is guilty than you would have if you were going to put him away for 20 years because the punishment is that much more severe. Mm. And the problem we've got is scientifically and legally, there's just not enough weight on, of evidence to put athletes away for life. That's that's the problem. So if you made the first crime offense a lifetime ban, while theoretically it would be wonderful, practically it would fail horrendously because athletes would fight that much more, they would put up much more protest, they wouldn't accept the ban, understandably. Mm, mm. So here's a, here's a crazy idea, is at the moment we've got four years for first defense, which is fine when you can again enforce it, but one, one thing that's been floated is that if you actually reduce the length of the ban, you'd be able to punish more athletes, <laughs> so you can ban the guy for one year at a time and the second ban maybe gets four years or life, but mm. potentially then. And, and so some, sometimes a little bit of this creative out-of-box thinking might be where we need to go because at the moment what we want is clean sports and I don't think that the system, which starts with the testing and the scientists, I mean, that's what, that's what the science's job is to do, is how can we better detect who's cheating? And then the next step is, just, just like in uh, that television show Law and Order, there's two divisions. There's the testing process and <laughs> the legal process. Right. And at the moment, neither of those... Is strong enough or credible or powerful enough to do the job that we're asking it to do, so. Something needs to be looked at on both,
0: both aspects. There. What's your thoughts? Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. Two leading experts in athletics, Manfred Seidler and Dr. Ross Tucker, joining us here on SFM Sports Special. Get in on the conversation on oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. And our, tw- our Facebook our correction: our SMS is three four seven zero one. But let's take your calls. What do you think about athletics? And it's not just athletics; it's it's most sports at the moment. And Doc, I'm going to ask you an honest question. If I look at athletics, the Olympic Games are coming up, and I see, it doesn't matter who it is, uh, win by 10 metres in the in the 5,000 metres, or they win by 100 metres, Mo Farah's done it before, you look at him and go, well, he's on dope, I don't care.
2: You say you don't care?
0: No, well, I don't care anymore, because obviously he's doping, and uh, the whole sport's a waste of time, I'm not going to watch it anymore.
2: Yeah, it's... it's yeah, I can understand that. And as I think, I was, when we spoke in the middle of the week, I said I sympathise with people who say let's let them all go, let's just watch it for the entertainment value that it provides us with, and so forth. And, mm. and there's an argument to be made for that, and people have, in fact, argued about it, even in even in scientific journals. There's a debate sure. going on that drug use should be legalised because it's not enforceable. To me, that's like saying that we should just do away with speed limits. Uh, in fact, any crime, like, yeah. let's not make anything illegal just because we can't catch it all. Yeah. And I'm still interested in, if there's, if there's one guy in ten who wants to compete clean and who doesn't want to, uh, invite the health dangers and the risks and so forth of doping and, and for ethical and moral reasons wants to compete without using any drugs, then his rights are the ones that I would argue mm. we must defend. So mm. that's, that's from the perspective, of course, of the, um, the administrators and the managers and so forth who are trying to catch the doping. As a spectator, it's a little different because, it. and I, and I do agree with you, I. whenever I watch sport now, I do this mental gymnastic thing <laughs> where I, I watch it knowing that there's a very strong likelihood that what I'm seeing is not real in the sense that it's not pure. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly real. The guy's still doing what he did, you know, whether it's a cyclist climbing a mountain pass or whether it's, Usain Bolt running 100 meters, but unfortunately, I'm no longer naive enough to accept it for just what it was, what it looked like, which is an amazing performance. Mm -hmm. But I can still enjoy it. and and That's the... the, Let's call it the tightrope that people have to walk, is there's outright cynicism, cynicism on one side and, and naivety on the other and, and can you stay on that side?
0: Mm. Manfred, would you say uh, what, or uh, it's a ridiculously typical question how does, how does athletics fix itself?
1: <laughs> well, before I ask that just quickly just to come back to what Ross was saying in mm. terms of the cheating and you were saying that look, you know why don't we just legalise it? Why, Yeah, why don't we just legalise cheating? So, so what you're saying David Walsh said this to me when, when I asked him that very question he said if in his pursuit of Lance Armstrong, and his, and his son kept on asking him, "Why are you doing this?" And he said to his son, "If I look, how can I look you in the eye as my son and turn around and motivate that it's okay to cheat, it's okay to lie, it's okay to deceive? How is that right?" So, and that's basically what it boils down to. So it's not just a matter of, of sitting around saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, we know we, we know they're all dirt. Let's just enjoy the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that you want to see a Usain Bolt run nine five and mm. pass, because that's that's spectacular." It's it's the other moral side of things. Um, getting back to your question as to how the IWF with it, this is <laughs> it's not going to be an easy path, because you must remember you entra- you've got a a a, federation or a governing body that's entrenched in its ways for decades. Um, and there's never been any major overhaul. Um, there's been no introspection. There's been no real anal- analysis of what's been going within the federation. And now all of a sudden they're, they're floundering because all these questions are being asked and they have no idea how to deal with them. And that's basically because a lot of people have been gaining from, you know, being on the take, so to speak. Uh, to be brutally honest, I mean, there's been there's been corruption um, and, and and bribery on, uh, on on different scales at different levels. So. It's a very tough one. The first thing that you got to do that I think is that – and I think it applies to a lot of sporting codes, international federations as well – is that the president and the president's office and the council should not be running the sport.
2: Mm-hmm. In other words,
1: what you should have is you should have something like a CEO that actually manages the the business side of the sport. So, yes, your council and your president and um, so on, they put policy in place, much like a board does at, uh, in business. But the actual running of the, of, the, of the business, that comes down to the CEO. So that now they've got accountability. Mm. Um, you put in performance clauses. Um, the the, the, the uh, position of the president, um, you know, Lamin Dijk stood for 16 years. It's just insane. I mean, Seth Blatt, I don't know for how long he stood. I think, what, five terms, six terms? Something ridiculous. Um, you just can't do that because there's no accountability. And you know, other people will argue that, okay, well, we will need them in for at least three terms, three terms of four years, so that there's continuity. I'm going, no, you mm. don't
2: need mm. that. That's what
1: you've got your CEO or your office for. They need to implement that. So I think a complete restructuring is needed. I think the biggest problem that the, the sport or any sport right now has is credibility. Mm. Like, mm. Um, you know, When Fedco was going on his campaign trail, he was all about he needs to bring back money. He needs to bring confidence back by the sponsors. Uh, well, he's got a huge task on his hand now because he has no credibility right now. Um, And that's why I say you've almost got to separate the two positions where you have a CEO or kind of position bringing in the finances running the business. You know, they had a company called Dentsu and before them they had uh, another company that was running the commercial aspects of it. But even there, there was, um, you know, fingers in the pie. Um, So it's... It's a tough one, John, and and, and it's a process that will have to take place, and I think it will take a long time to come. Because in essence, um, people who are watching the sport, uh, people in the know who are watching the sport, and the athletes have absolutely no confidence in a federation that has just been Mm. corrupt and and broken.
0: Dr. Tuckett, Russia has been what is a state-sponsored doping system in Russia. You know, when you look at that, and you go, well, you can't just be the only country, there must be others. And again, when I'm watching the sports, I say, well, how do I know that the Germans haven't been state-sponsoring and just haven't been caught?
2: No, you don't. And the thing about it is that Russia is probably a symptom of a condition. Okay. It's not the condition. And so, in that regard, if, if it was happening in Russia and they were getting away with it for so long, and had it not been for... An investigative journalist who really Mm -hmm. exposed it by pulling on threads until something unraveled, we would be no wiser about Russia. As it is, we're no wiser about all the other countries where it may be happening as well. So, they are, their behavior is symptomatic of the IAAF's management over that period. And in this instance, directly, because the IAAF didn't just turn a blind eye to it, they actually facilitated it in some regards. And that's the fundamental problem, is that people Us looking at Russia and saying, well, they were the ones who... It's not. They were symptomatic of Mm. the malfeasance that was going on within the IAAF. And so the reason that Thursday's press conference was so disheartening and, and something you've been speaking to Manfred about before I joined you is that when Dick Pound said that Sebastian Coe is the perfect person and he could think of no one better to lead the sport forward, he basically shut off the one opportunity I believe they had to change things and it goes to what Manfred was just saying, is that you must appreciate, the listeners must appreciate, the reason we're in this situation is because the IAAF tried to manage something internally that should have been exposed to everyone from on the outside. Right. And and there were emails that were sent back and forth where they very explicitly said, we have to keep a lid on this, we have to keep this quiet, we don't want the media asking questions. And w- what that means is that everyone now who's, who's aware is looking at this and saying, these guys just want to keep it in the family. They want to keep it to themselves. They want to manage the situation in a way that keeps their pockets lined and no one else can have a say. And Dick Pound affirmed that attitude Mm -hmm. when he said that Coe was perfect. And so Manfred is right. The solution would have been to get rid of the people who had been there, whether they were responsible or just passengers, they were still there. And they should have gotten rid of them. And, And the one thing I don't understand is why does it have to be Co or Budka? The, the, the reality is that sport is so administratively incestuous right. that we think that the only person who can take over is another person inside the sport, and mm. that doesn't need to be the case. Agreed. Yeah. So at the risk of at the risk of giving rugby a punt, is I work for World Rugby now, and our new CEO, because we are structured that way in World Rugby, is there's a business arm which runs World Rugby as if it was a registered company, which Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And then there's the elected board, which is headed up by Bernard LaPasse and and members and presidents from all the member unions. But our CEO is an extremely accomplished businessman who, three years ago, was working in New York in a high-ranking corporate position with an advertising company. And it is so noticeable to me, because I've been fortunate and unfortunate enough to work with some absolutely dreadful administrators here in South (laughs) Africa. He is so polished and so professional and he runs the sport like a business. That has not happened with the IAAF and thanks to Dick Pound's backing of Co, it won't happen. Because Co talks about independent reviews from within. That's, that, that doesn't exist. You can't do an independent audit from inside. You have to open up and allow outsiders to come in and there's no indication that they will do that. So I fear... That whatever's happening in Russia probably is happening elsewhere, Mm. but now we definitely won't know it because (laughs) Uh. this whole saga has just shown us that they'll batten down the hatches and they will just deflect because they can't afford to be exposed a second time. So we are worse off now than we were six weeks and six months ago
0: worrying thoughts indeed Dr. Rostacker. thanks very much for that and also Manfred Seidler joining us, pros and cons life bans, you heard Dr. Rostacker said he'd like a life ban, it's just you can't do it because then they'll just uh, uh, they'll go into court hearings forever, Manfred Seidler explaining the same sort of thing as well, what is worrying is one in five records at the moment are questionable and uh, Dr. Rostaka giving us, there doesn't seem to be a solution does there, when two great minds get together surely they should know and uh, there they are solutions but we'll they happen? SMS 34701, what do you think could happen?